Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Integration Chronicles, the only podcast focused on ecosystem integration brought to you by Clio. We're your host, Tushar Patel. And I'm Frank Kenny. Ecosystem integration is the modern innovative way to extend and augment B2B integration. It takes a process-centric approach to orchestrate, connect, and integrate the core revenue-generating interactions and operational services. Partners, shippers, carriers, enterprise applications, and e-commerce marketplaces can leverage API, EDI, and file-based integrations on the same ecosystem integration platform, all with the necessary governance and control optimized to support mission-critical interactions in real, just-in-time, and batched cycles. Every couple of weeks, we will dig into relevant topics with industry leaders and integration experts with a specific tilt towards the supply chain. You'll learn how to grow your business faster, pick up best practices for scaling your organization, and discover new ways to drive operational efficiencies. Follow us to get up-to-date alerts when new episodes are available. My name is Tushar Patel, your host here today. I am really excited, um, although it doesn't take me a lot to get excited, but today I am truly excited. I have Marin Marita here uh, from DCS, which stands for Data Communication Solutions. Uh, she has just tremendous amounts of integration background, uh, a lot of ideas, just, just a wealth of knowledge. And so Marin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this fun conversation. Awesome. All right. Well, today we are going to talk a little bit about the concept of self-service integration versus black box solutions when it comes to integration. And we're going we're gonna to have Marin to describe a little bit what does black box integration and black box solutions really mean. And uh, we'll have her walk through uh, some of the pros and cons and so on and so forth. So appreciate everybody tuning in. So why don't we start, Marin, by why don't you give us a quick background on yourself? I know you've got, you've kind of worked on on various sides of the equation when it comes to B2B integration. And so uh, why don't we just, why don't you walk us through your background? Sure. Um, I, I have, I've been around for a while, I admit, um, and I've worn uh, quite a few different hats. So right now I'm the professional services director here at DCS, kind of managing our client integration projects. Um, but I come to it kind of, as you say, having been on various, if not maybe even all sides of a typical integration project. Um, I have been the consultant doing the implementation. I have been the customer receiving the consulting services. I've managed the production system. I've managed outsource systems. Um, I have interacted both with self-service and with black box systems. I've, I've hopefully kind of covered the gamut. So, so I can give lots of different perspectives um, on various things. And, and that is exactly why I'm excited. I, I know I looked at your background and, and you and I have spoken on, on numerous occasions around, uh, around just being part of a, a, a well-rounded integration um, you know, practitioner. And so I'm hoping you'll be able to share some insights and, and can relate to pretty much everybody on the phone that we have here uh, listening today, or I guess listening on their computers today. So why don't we start off with just, just digging right in. So when we think about self-service integration, which is typically, you know, makes sense, right? It's pretty um, intuitive. It's self-service integration. I own it. I, I'm the one that's self-servicing it um, versus black box. What is your definition of, of black box uh, integration solution? 
Well, you know, first I want to say thanks again for bringing up this topic. It's it's kind of near and dear to my heart because I, I really like to see people have success with informed decisions, you know, making a, a kind of good objective evaluation of what system is going to be right for them. Um, and from my perspective, a black spot solution is a type of hosted solution. Um, and I'll touch on that for a second because I find as I have conversations, there's often a lot of confusion about what hosted means. Um, hosted just means it's not in your own internal infrastructure. So that could be lots of different things. Um, so separate from the idea of a hosted solution, which could be many variations, a black box solution um, is a hosted solution where there's no direct control available. So it is um, what people often think of as outsourced um, in the complete sense. Everything gets done for you. You don't have to do anything, um, but you know, kind of the consequence naturally of that is that you also don't have the option to do anything. So it's entirely within um, kind of the solution provider's control. Got it. And you know, one of the things that we always talk about um, and we hear often is this whole concept of integration control because, um, you know, there's obviously pros and cons by having control, which means, you know, uh, you're either on the hook and, and when you have the control, and if you're, if you don't have the control, you're still on the hook, but maybe you don't have, you know, all the elements required uh, in order for you to influence and, and, and make certain things happen. And so when, when you specifically think about black box integration, um, when, when it comes to, you know, you use the word hosted, what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see? Obviously there's, there's different, uh, definitely advantages of, of it. And there's definitely some pros for black box integration in certain scenarios and, and use cases. But what do you think are the biggest pitfalls that you run into? Um, you know, it really is that, that lack of, of um, control that you mentioned. Um, there's, there's not a lot of options. There's usually very little flexibility. Um, the solution is predefined, um, you know, which is, is part of its value, you know, the economy of scale in, in having that predefined. And here we can just plug this in for you and off you go. Um, but then there's not really a lot of option to customize. Um, there's also no ability to control the quality or timeline. Um, so that can potentially become a problem. As you say, you know, you're, you're on the hook, you still have to, to get your integration done. You still have to fulfill your partner requirements, um, but you can't necessarily influence um, how and when that happens. So it's one of those scenarios where if everything goes well, it's fantastic. Um, if there's some reason it's it's not going well, um, you don't always have a lot of recourse. Yeah, and you know, I, I you and I talked about this before where um, you, you, the analogy that you've used is, is renting versus buying. And, and it may not be 100%, you know, one-to-one, one but it's similar to renting, right? Where you may not have complete control over, I don't know, some, some uh, uh, repair that needs to get done or your neighbors necessarily who are loud or uh, some service that, you know, like a swimming pool that, that is there at your complex or at your location that you're at. You don't have control over some of those things. You're, you're, it's, it's predefined for you. It is what it is. So can you talk a little bit about how you think about you know, self-service versus black box being very similar to owning versus renting? 
Sure. Um, you know, and that, as you say, that's an analogy that, that we've used a lot because I think it resonates with people. It's something we've all gone through. You know, many of us have had to make those actual decisions um, over the course of our lifetimes. And one is not necessarily better than the other. It's, it's just like the actual kind of rent versus own decision. It depends on a lot of prep factors. It depends upon um, your personal preferences, kind of your um, budget, uh, skill set, all those kinds of things. Um, so, you know, I would never say always this or never that. Um, it, it, it's up to those factors. But like renting, you know, you mentioned you mentioned landlord. If you've got a good landlord who's really responsive um, and works really well with you and you have a close relationship, it's great. You know, you don't have any responsibility. They're taking care of things for you. Something breaks, you call them and you say, hey, I, my faucet is leaking and they show up the next morning and take care of it and it's all good. Um, if unfortunately maybe don't have the landlord you thought you had and they're not as responsive, um, then you're, you're in that same situation, but without that good relationship. So when you call and say, my faucet's leaking, they say, I can get there in a couple weeks. Um, so, you know, it, depending upon the specific situation, it, it has those pros and cons even within that situation. So much like deciding that you're going to sign that lease, you really kind of have to understand what it is that you're signing, what that environment is really going to look like. Um, with owning, conversely, you know, you are responsible. You can't call the landlord. You have to deal with the faucet yourself in some way. But what I always try to remind people, um, you know, I'm a homeowner and I have absolutely no skills. So when my faucet leaks, I call someone to come and fix it. I'm ultimately responsible for it, but I don't have to do it myself. Um, so same thing, you know, depending upon your preferences and your abilities, um, you do have that ownership, but that doesn't mean you are directly responsible for every single little thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think every every scenario is different. Um, and, and when we think about self-service integration, you know, the, the immediate thing that I always um, tell clients is self-service integration makes, makes a whole lot of sense when A, you need that control. You've got the expertise in-house to be able to leverage that control, right? Because you have control as a homeowner right now, as you mentioned, but you may not have the skill sets to fix everything, right? And so you know, you, you've chosen that, that model there for yourself, but that means you've got to go and hire the right resources to, to, to fix certain things or take care of certain things that maybe are outside of your skill set. So as long as you're willing and, and able to do that. Now, the flip side of that is, depending on who you're talking to, um, that may allow you to control your customer experience as well. Because if you, if you have an SLA with a customer, you at least have the ability to do a little bit of more control um, when it is in a self-service um, environment. Uh, but you could also get that in a black box environment if you've got the right partner that you're working with. And so I imagine, Maren, I imagine that it's similar to most things in life is like you get what you pay for. So, you know, what has been your experience with um, the investment level that you might have to make on, on black box and how that varies with you getting the type of service that you're looking for. You know, the, the pricing models in our experience, um, cause we at DCS work with, with lots of different systems. So we kind of get to see um, what those, those different models tend to look like. And they, they certainly change over time. Um, you know, even not, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, it used to be more of a single software purchase, versus um, kind of a monthly subscription model. Now it's kind of more coming together. Um, so it's important to just be informed about exactly what it is you're paying for, 
um, when the pricing model might change, particularly if it's influenced by data volume, um, you know, and, and what those thresholds are. So from a pricing standpoint, I always tell people it's, you know, it's really important to understand your budget, uh, but it's also really under, important to understand the long-term costs, you know, kind of that total cost of ownership. Um, you know, so when you, you, you mentioned the SLAs with your partners, um, you know, maybe you've got a specific requirement from a customer. Um, what are the consequences if you can't meet that? You know, if, if you aren't in charge of the timeline and you end up a month or two behind deadline, um, you know, what are, what's the implication to your supplier scorecard or things like that? So, so looking at that big picture of all of the kind of costs and benefits in addition to the number on the invoice, I think is an important part of that evaluation. Fantastic. And then the other, the question I was going to ask you about that is, Marin, taking a step back for a second, when you look at DCS, uh, is that something that DCS helps organizations figure out? Like, where is, where is DCS's role play into that entire integration investment analysis and, and so forth? Sure, that's absolutely something that we help people with. Um, you know, at, at the highest level, we, we're an independent consulting firm. Um, we are, as we call it, system agnostic. So we deal with all different types um, of integration systems, integration project types, industries. You know, we're, we're kind of across the board. Um, so with that breadth of experience, we can help people kind of take stock of their current situation. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's getting into integration for the first time. We see a lot of that, certainly. Um, also, maybe the these types of system migrations. Uh, maybe we're on a legacy system and we need to move to something a little bit more robust. And that might be either their integration system or even their ERP. Um, often when people are making business system updates, that's a really great opportunity to kind of take the opportunity to look at the integration situation also. Is that something that they want to upgrade along with it? Um, so we can help people look at kind of those, those advantages um, that are available based on their specific situation right now. And then also we always encourage people, you know, kind of look at your one, five, 10 year plan and figure out where um, your integration needs fall within that also. Got it. And, and your point on system integration is so important because there are oftentimes what, you know, the, the, the age old debate that we always hear in organizations is I want to improve or modernize or invest in my integration platform, so to speak, but I can't do that until, you know, fill in the blank. And it's typically until I update my ERP or until I update my WMS or my TMS system, or until I get XYZ done first. Do you have a, a strong opinion on what comes first, the ERP or the integration platform? Uh, you know, that's, that's surprisingly hard to answer because, because I like everything, I feel like I spend a lot of time saying it depends, the classic. Um, but in general, I encourage people to think concretely. So um, say that you have an ERP integration plan that's, that's not real defined yet. You know, you need to do it, but you know, there's, there's no timeline necessarily it's probably coming, uh, but nothing concrete yet. Um, and then meanwhile, you're struggling along with a bunch of integration problems. Um, that's, that's not necessarily a time to wait for the ERP, even though you know it may be coming, there's no need to sort of bleed slowly for a couple of years 
while you get to that point. Um, oftentimes it's a good investment to kind of stop that bleeding um, for the immediate, even though you know that you have an additional change coming a little bit further down the line. Now, if you have an ERP integration, or excuse me, migration plan in place, and it's gonna be in the next six months, absolutely, that's an obvious case to wait um, because you will wanna do them in conjunction. Uh, but that timing is very important. What we often see people do um, is just fail to consider it in their overall systems upgrades plans. And they either do it um, far too early um, or much more commonly, they do it too late. So they say, okay, we just finished our ERP upgrade and now we're really ready to think about integration. And it, you know that opportunity lost of not including the integration in that you know, overall migration plan the, the effort and time um, to get that done after the fact is just exponentially higher. So we always encourage people to be thinking about integration all the time, essentially, and at every decision point say, okay, how does this impact integration? Where are my either um, test points that I need to cover or my opportunities that I need to leverage and always have that as part kind of of your, your project checklist? Love it. Love it. Uh, I appreciate that. I know we took a slight detour off topic there, but um, I think that's great advice. And right, and I remember, you know, going through uh, going through engineering school. I remember one of our professors would ask us these questions that are just really, really hard to answer. And uh, he would even put them on test occasionally. And the, the right answer was, "It depends." Was the right <laughs> answer. And I think I think you're you're spot on when you say that because every organization is different. But I think you know your your thought process of looking at the problem holistically is really what we should encourage everybody to do, which, you know, in, in theory, it sounds very easy. It's like, of course, I'm going to look at things holistically, like who, who does have, or who does make myopic decisions. But the reality is when you're pressed for time and, and there's a lot of pressure to get things done, um, oftentimes organizations do think myopically and uh, they're not thinking about that whole, that whole strategy. Like you said, the one year, three year, five year strategy, and, and sometimes they can make the wrong call up front, And so, um, I'm glad that there's organizations like yourself out there who can who can help them through that conversation, ask the right questions, um, and and really come to the right conclusion that aligns with where that organization is trying to go. So so I appreciate that. Um, if I took a step back into looking at our conversation around black box solutions and and uh, self service solutions, um, uh, looking into that black box side for a moment. Um, Having gone through that multiple times, do you have a favorite story? Uh, I love stories, uh, just like many people do, but do you have a favorite story of an organization that moved or is in the process of moving from a black box solution to a self-service or even a blended solution where you have a mix of somebody doing it for you and, and, and part of it you're doing yourself? Um, without getting into names of, of companies, do you have a favorite story that you want to share with us today? Sure. Um, you know, and, and the truth is we have lots, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a not uncommon situation. Um, and, and usually the scenario is um, a company that either chose their solution um, with, without a lot of objective information, you know, not necessarily anybody's fault, but they, they, they either didn't understand exactly what they were getting into, so to speak, not that it was necessarily a negative, it just turned out to be a negative for them. Um, or they've more, even more commonly just literally outgrown it. It was the right solution very early on um, and they just either 
couldn't anticipate their growth or, you know, didn't, didn't have kind of the experience to know to anticipate their growth. So um, we, we actually just wrapped up a project not long ago. Um, it was in that particular case also prompted by an ERP migration. So they're migrating their internal business system. Their current uh, black box provider couldn't promise to meet their project timeline. Um, I, I'm going to be honest and say I, the timeline didn't seem all that aggressive. Um, so I don't know what the internal factors were, but they essentially said, no, we, we can't partner with you on this same time frame. We'd need you to adjust. So that gave them kind of the impetus to say, we'll wait, um, you know, as long as, as long as we're going through this exercise anyway, what other options are out there? Um, they, they did ultimately decide that it made good sense for them to switch to a new solution. Um, that was for a couple reasons, um, you know, in, in part, even though the impetus was that timeline, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily the whole factor that kind of got the conversation started, but also the amount of time and effort that they were spending on errors was, was really taking up I'm going to say a, an almost shocking amount of staff time. Um, they were they were spending anywhere between 35 and 45 hours a week just on basic error resolution. Um, they didn't really have a lot of options for root cause analysis or resolution, so they were just kind of churning through the same repetitive hours essentially as um, an FTE. So they realized, oh, if we could get away from that, you know, and, and they honestly didn't realize that that was out of the ordinary, sort of this is our daily life, this is what we're used to. So we uh, migrated all of their existing customers um, over onto a new solution. Um, we helped them bring up a couple of new um, trading partners at the same time. And we trained them on kind of what we call daily operations. So the basics of their production support, um, you know, resolving any of the typical little um, customer so-and-so forgot to include their ship to type of data validation errors, and then kind of basic updates, you know, so if you get a requirements change from a customer, you know, to add an element or something, they can do those sort of basic things themselves. They made the choice that they, they kind of want to take that um, blended approach where they don't want to have all of the expertise in-house. Um, you know, some customers do, they either maybe have it existing or it's something that they want to bring in, or maybe they want to train up existing resources and have everything internal. Other people say, no, um, we'll, we'll get to a point where we're comfortable kind of day to day, and then anything outside of that, we'll call you. So they have us do kind of any complicated um, development updates and then also some onboarding just when they get into a backlog and they say, okay, we got 10, 10 new customer requests at once. Can you help us with, you know, five or six of them, those kind of things. And they're there, I will say it's one of those rewarding projects where their, their daily integration life is really different now. Um, you know, they're able to, to do value added things instead of just fixing repetitive errors full time uh, all day, every day. So it's, it's nice to help people with those kind of things. Love it. I love it. And and you said something that resonates with me because it's it's really what I believe as well is what organizations should be looking at is a blended approach because that gives you that control that you need to either fix something quickly if you need to get it done because you have some urgent need or you have some customer who is knocking on your door or a trading partner, et cetera, somebody in your ecosystem that, that you absolutely have to take care of. And you can't wait for resources that come up on a black box. But in those things, um, situations, I should say, not things, in those situations where you can wait, 
because it is not urgent, right? I always talk about the, there, there's the urgent, there's the important, and then there's the urgent and important. But if there's things are not urgent, but they're important, then maybe that, that's where you can pass it off to somebody and, and you have the luxury of time on your side. And, and I'm not, that doesn't mean that the, um, your, your managed services or your black box vendor there, so to speak, um, is slow. It just means that, hey, you're, you're giving them more options to get, get creative. You're giving them more options and more time to resolve the solution that you're looking for. Um, and it just, it just, it provides a better working relationship. So I'm glad there are organizations like you, Marin, out there like DCS who are helping organizations find that optimal approach between doing everything themselves um, and, and not having to choose between doing everything themselves and passing it off to somebody else, but you're allowing them that blended approach. So it's, it's really almost a, a, a customized approach to your business, because let's be real, not every business is the same. Exactly. And, and we find that not only is not every business the same, um, you know, businesses, of course, change over time, especially with resources, you know, maybe you used to be totally self-sufficient um, and you lost a resource and now you need, you know, some extra help with skill set, or maybe you're growing so exponentially, you just need um, help with the backlog. Often it doesn't make sense, especially with onboarding projects to bring on another full-time resource because you don't necessarily need them full-time forever. You need them full-time for the next six months or the next year or whatever it is. So it, it exactly as you say, it lends that kind of flexibility. Fantastic. Well, Marn, you have been a joy to have on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time, but um, like with every segment, we like to ask a little bit of a fun question at the end, get you out of your comfort zone. Um, showcase to everybody that look at the end of the day, we're all people still. And uh, even though we are so focused on business, um, we're going to have a fun one for you today. So if you could be any Sesame Street character, or I should say, maybe if you think about Sesame Street character, who are you the most like and why? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I gotta confess right now, I don't know if this is always true, uh, but right now I'm definitely feeling, uh, very, very cookie monster-ish, uh, cause we're on Girl Scout cookie season. So I've definitely been channeling, um, that cookie monster vibe for sure. I love it. Well, I don't know. Uh, I know you're out in Minnesota. I'm out in California, but, um, out here, I know sometimes they have these regional flavors, which drives me nuts sometimes because I see my friends posting certain flavors. I'm like, we don't have that flavor out here, but we have French toast. That's what we have in our closet today in terms of. Oh, interesting. Although I have to say, you know, I, I found out about the regional differences just a couple of years ago. And this year, not that there's really been a lot of benefits of pandemic and quarantine, but I have to say the Girl Scouts did an amazing job of pivoting their supply chain in a pandemic. And we actually have, you know, friends and relatives in a couple different regions of the country who had those different flavors and we were able to do the online ordering. So we got to experience a couple non-regional things. So that was, the, if, if there was a benefit, at least I got some new Girl Scout cookie flavors. I love it, I love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mara and Marita from Data Communication Solutions, also known as DCS. Uh, she leads their services practice there, has phenomenal amounts of background, just dealing with black box providers and self-service and just ecosystem integration as a whole. So Marin, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, I would love to have you back on here to talk other topics because it sounds like you've just got a wealth of knowledge that our, our listeners can, uh, can take advantage of. 
Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share whatever it is um, that might be useful to people. I love having these kind of conversations um, just to help people understand their options and, and know how to make some objective decisions. Um, so happy to come back anytime. All right. Well, we'll sign off for today. Um, ladies and gentlemen, till next time, uh, the Integration Council is signing off.